blast beats and bites Down at McAllister College I'm putting off of my city like she puts on nail polish No way, go ahead, they on their wallets They want it, they drink like alcoholics Going and abolish, I come through on the stage No, I misbehave, I'm coming out the cage Got a cover like rage And if they want to come back Then they know that they heard it Cause when I got that energy, I'm gonna disperse it Coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. Last beats and bikes, say what they like, I'm out best. No wait, just like Fightful, they grab the rifle, so insightful, come and get collected. Cause they didn't know they bred farm and throw an interception. If they want to come with it, I spin it, I get specific, I get prolific. They are eclipsing, they miss it, I'm double fisting, I christen, I'm the given. It's God given, I'm coming to spit the sickness. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. With my dogs and calling a dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling a dog catcher. Is this metal enough for the show yet, Jay? Coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya. We coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs and calling the dog catcher. Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We have a great show on tap for you today. We have an interview with John O'Neill, the founder, co-founder of the great Twin Cities band, Dare Force. They're going to be playing tonight along with Stormbreaker, Revenant Soul, and Abia at the Amsterdam in downtown St. Paul. Tickets are available at the door, and uh, so we're going to kick things in. Uh, again, I'm your host, Jason Lardy, and this is the first part of my interview with John O'Neill, founder of Dare Force. I'm here with John O'Neill from Dare Force. John, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Jason. My pleasure. Appreciate being on the show. 
Absolutely. It's great to have you uh, here with us again. You were one of our early guests a couple years ago as you got ready for uh, uh, launching the Call On Your Name record. Uh, you've had quite a career, nearly 40 years of Dare Force. Yes, indeed. It's, uh, it's been a, a long, wild ride for sure. Do you remember the very first Dare Force gig? <laughs> uh, well, let's see here. Uh, one that stands out, I don't know if it was the very first one or not, but uh, we were playing, I think it was like a high school prom in uh, Wisconsin on the border, and um, happened to, we had a rental truck at the time, and we pulled into it like an A&W to grab some food to to go on the run and uh, yours truly ended up scraping the truck against the awning of the A&W well we we were in a rush to the gig oh. so I wanted to make sure that we were there on time so we got to the gig and then our uh, guitarist dad said well you might want to call the state patrol because they're waiting for you back at the border if you don't oh, no. um, so we called the state patrols and said yeah we'll settle up uh, for damages done long story short I think we were actually in the hole after the first gig <laughs> so, yeah not a not a, a very auspicious beginning but uh, things to turn turn around from there so you uh, you were living the rock and roll lifestyle from the third <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how uh, how did the band come together originally uh, well actually um, the the uh, other founding member, uh, my blood brother, Brian Barth, he and I grew up across the street from each other uh, in elementary school. Brian moved in. He's about nine years old. We actually had garage bands uh, back in elementary school and started playing gigs at the tender age of you know nine and ten. <laughs> Our sixth grade music teacher happened to be Bob Dylan's brother. Wow. Um, David Zimmerman, who uh, later went on to become the owner of the Orpheum Theater. So we actually were doing gigs. We, we did a gig at uh, our elementary school, which uh, Mr. Zimmerman introduced us as uh, direct from Los Angeles, the distant shadows. So anyway, um, Brian and I have uh, played together for years. He moved out to California while we were in junior high and then uh, came back. I'd, I had started playing in clubs while he was in California. Um, started playing in clubs around town when I was 14, and then uh, he came back when uh, he was in high school. I had actually dropped out by that point in time, which is another story. But uh, he came back, and um, I was with a band called Archangel when he had come back into town and um, left that group and wanted to get my own band going, and there was no one else I first and only call was to brian saying hey let's uh, let's put our own band together so we uh decided to rejoin forces so to speak and um actually found a rhythm section through the the one ads uh, in the paper back in those days and hmm. kind of proceeded from there but um that's that was the the genesis of it all so when you when you left archangel were you looking for uh just a new sound or new bandmates or what was the what was the purpose for leaving the band? Well, that's kind of an interesting story too. I was 17 when I joined the band, and they were um, run by two brothers, the Flomer brothers, John and Robert. And they were like 28 and 30. I remember thinking that they were just these you know, a couple of ancient hippies. <laughs> um, 
but um, the drummer and the lead singer, um, Tom Baden, the singer, and Ernie LaViolette was the drummer. Uh, we were all uh, teenagers, and uh, I had a, a plan that I was going to f- nab those two guys and start a uh, another version of Led Zeppelin. Um, and the, uh, the Fulmer brothers got wind of my plans and said, you know, we think you need to start your own band. Um, if, you know, certainly nothing about your musicianship. Otherwise, you wouldn't be playing with us, but uh, we can't have you <laughs> stealing the band. <laughs> you know, half the band. So, uh, that, hence my call to, to Brian Bart. So, did you start writing uh, your own material right out of the gate, or were you doing covers to start? We we had originals. Brian and I were writing tunes in elementary school. Wow. I, I mean, that's... I, I kid you not. Um, we were doing original material right from the get-go. You recorded two two records with the original lineup. Tell talk a little bit about those records and how those came together. Well, um, it's God. It's you're uh, you're really um, jogging my memory banks here. We um, <laughs> went into it. There were a number of different studios. Um, Cookhouse. Um, the second album actually. Uh, making on rules we actually did some uh, mixing out at paisley park wow Um, we had uh, an engineer out there jonathan acri who helped us do some mixing out there um but um yeah it was a a number of 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 different sound 80 was another one that comes to mind Mm -hmm. um we had um on the uh the first album we had a couple of Prince proteges helping us out uh, from his, um, you know, the the band that you see um, in Purple Rain. The guitarist yeah. Des Dickerson helped mm-hmm. produce um, "Pushing Your Luck," hmm. and then uh, we had another uh, the bass player uh, for Prince for a while, Andre Simone, came in and helped us out with a couple of tracks too. Wow! So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right, that was the first part of our interview with John O'Neill, the co-founder of Dare Force. We're going to play a couple of those tunes that John was talking about. Up next, we've got Pushing Your Luck, and then after that, we're going to play Looking For Some Action. Again, John and Dare Force are playing tonight at the Amsterdam. 6.30, I believe, our doors uh, for that event is an 18-plus, so everybody's welcome to come on down to the Amsterdam. Uh, they're going to be playing with Stormbreaker and also um, Revenant Soul and Abia. So uh, jump on down to the Amsterdam tonight. This is Dare Force with Pushing Your Luck.
That was Dare Force with uh, Pushing Your Luck. And after that, we heard Looking for Some Action off of the original records from that band back in the 1980s. That was the original lineup of Dare Force. You're going to see a newly reconstituted with a brand new lead guitarist Dare Force version tonight at the Amsterdam uh, downtown St. Paul. It's an all-ages show, 18-plus, I should say, more specifically. And uh, we've got another uh, bit of our interview with John coming up now. John O'Neill from Dare Force. Uh, here we go. You uh, you ended up getting a fair amount of airplay uh, for some of those early records. How important was it for you to get that radio support? Well, um, one station in particular, um, no longer in existence, but Stereo uh, 101, Rock and 101, um, they had uh, both that station and KQ put out hometown albums, and uh, we had songs on both, but uh, in particular on the um, Stereo 101, this was back in 82, we had um, a song called On My Way that for all intents and purposes was a hit i mean we were on regular rotation with national acts on that station throughout that summer and um in fact i ended up headlining a gig at the met sports center um, they put on a a show that featured the bands from the hometown album and we wow. were the, the headline act for about twelve thousand kids it was it was pretty wild and then uh, kq um uh, picked up pushing your luck and that still f- will get played to this day it's it's kind of funny um some of the uh the djs ray eric in particular um is a, a good friend of ours and mm-hmm. every so often we'll hear yeah i heard pushing your luck on the way home from work so if, you know, even great. to this day there, there still is an occasional spin that they give us so but yeah i mean that was that was huge. I mean, to be able to get um, that kind of airplay really helped the club following. Um, I remember going out to the state fair, you know, you'd make the appearances at the radio booths and climbing up on top of the, you know, the shack they had the studio set up in and we were tossing posters out to throng the kids. It was, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, That's fun. Yeah, it really was. And uh, sometime in the 80s, uh, you guys, at least as, as individuals, and I think as a band, were nominated and maybe won a couple of Minnesota Music Awards, right? Yeah, we were, um, I think it was 85, we were actually the, the runner-up to uh, our, our good friend's uh, Obsession, um, and the members of Obsession have gone on to, uh, well, Bryn Arns has a band called Flip, mm-hmm. um, but um, they actually won the award. We were runners-up, but uh, Brian, or Brian Bartz, my co-founder, um, won, uh, I believe, you know, instrumentalist of the year, guitarist of the year um, that year. So that was a uh, pretty uh, pretty heady time in Minnesota music too. I mean, Prince was at the height of his uh, his run, and lots of exciting stuff was going on. That had to feel pretty good to be recognized yeah. that way. Yeah, it was. Prince was uh, obviously you know, quite successful by that point in time, but um, kind of the um, the punk scene was coming up. In fact, um, the night of the awards, I think Soul Asylum performed. Um, of course, you had bands like Husker Du and mm-hmm. the Replacements and that kind of thing. So, um, kind of the uh, the the press media darlings there the the hard rock scene um 
often kind of got overlooked in the local press. But um, but in terms of who people came out to see in the clubs and who was getting some airplay, um, it was was bands like ours. So yeah, it's you know it's really interesting uh, to me how, uh, like you said, how the media overlooked the hard rock scene in town and you couldn't turn around without hitting four club bills for hard rock bands any given night of the week in the 80s oh yeah bands like uh ourselves um slave raider obsession uh hurricane alice i mean you know you'd you'd go out um to a club like boyd's on the river they had um two floors uh, and a stage on each floor and bands would alternate you'd go you know one band would be playing while the other band was taking a break people would float back and forth wow and that place uh, we would pack the joint there was one uh, evening in particular we had van halen come out to see us after their set i would wow you know, I, heard, I heard whispers in the crowd yeah van halen's here and i'm thinking yeah right and i <laughs> look back at the soundboard and sure enough there's David Lee Roth standing with his arms crossed, taking in our sets. So, wow! Um, yeah, it was uh, it was very cool. You uh, you you talked a little bit about UFO and some of those those bands that were inspirations, but you actually toured with UFO, didn't you? Well, we played a show with them here in town. We didn't okay. tour with them per se, but um, yeah, eighty uh, two in particular was a, a pretty um, remarkable year. We started off. Um, we played back-to-back shows. Our, our first big shows were at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Minneapolis. We played one weekend with um, Shooting Star, and the very next weekend we played uh, Open for Triumph. Wow. And then um, right from there we went to headline a gig in Puerto Rico. And then um, later on that year was that uh, Met Sports Center gig I was talking about that uh, Stereo 101 put on. That was in October. And then we also did a gig in Milwaukee on the uh, Lake Michigan shorefront that was outdoors. That was, I think, 14,000-some people. It was the anti-rock anti fest. There was kind of a, <laughs> a battle between uh, disco and metal at the time. and. One of the stations out there, um, we used to play Milwaukee quite a bit. It was kind of our, our second home. and So we went out there and headlined and then um, ended up the uh, the year in December of 82 opening for KISS in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. So wow. Was, yeah, it was, it was quite, quite a year for sure. Yeah. So as you, as you reflect on some of those gigs, you know, you had obviously had some uh, exposure already, but what, what did you learn from watching those, those musicians? as a as a, you know relatively young up and coming musician yourself well um stage performance is so important i mean at least in the hard rock scene you know we didn't want to get up there and be you know gazing at our navels or our shoelaces <laughs> you know right. you, um i've always been of the um philosophy that if if someone is going to pay to see you perform, then you you know you put on a show. You don't you know, dress like any other Joe off the streets, and you know you get up there and and um, you know you give a performance, and so much of it is emotion based, mm-hmm. and 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 there's a, a reciprocal energy with the audience when they see that you're um, serious about your craft, and and if you've got tunes that um, 
you know, resonate with the crowd and you get that feedback loop, so to speak, of energy between the audience and the crowd, it, it just, it's, um, it's a high like no other. Um, it's the best drug in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, getting a, a chance to stand uh, backstage and, you know, watch um, these groups and how they've, you know, commanded um, the audience and, you know, playing in front of large um, audiences and, and how you've... Uh, project a presence um even to the back of the venue yeah um, those kind of things so that that seems like an interesting challenge to go from a club even something the size of let's say first avenue for example and mm-hmm. and go to met center which yeah. you know, was kind of the, the precursor to target center size wise here right. in town. i mean that's a, that that seems like it would be a real challenge well i, I yeah I, I mean it's a for one thing you're you're just adrenaline is flowing like mad i mean it's um you know so you you do have to kind of um harness that energy um but if you're able to do that um it's it's just magical but you know you want to make sure that you're playing to the whole room so Mm -hmm. you know um i mean a master of that um is mick jagger i mean the dude just commands a huge stage he's back and forth constantly um you know you can't take your eyes off the guy so mesmerizing Mm -hmm. so i mean trying to you know be moving making eye contact with the audience um taking into account that you're not just playing for the you know the people that are right up in front but you know trying to really connect with people even at you know the back of the hall Mm -hmm. um so it's it's challenging but if if you are able to do that um boy the energy is just it's uh it's hard to describe and so you you guys went you you changed up the lineup a little bit and put out a third record in 89 um talk a little bit about how that third record came together and then you know sort of what brought that first phase of the band to to a close i guess yeah well the first run of the band we played full time from 76 to 87 i mean we're talking Mm -hmm. you know 50 weeks out of the year four or five six nights a week um and you know we were constantly traveling and you know recording in between Mm -hmm. uh you know we did have some downtime but um after 11 years um you know we we had gotten some bites from labels here and there but at the time one thing that uh, kind of suffered we just really didn't have the management um in the twin cities that was connected our thought was Mm -hmm. that with you know prince achieving notoriety that perhaps the twin cities metal scene would start garnering some attention and it just didn't quite pan out the way we had hoped so by um 87 um i had told myself i wasn't going to be you know 40 years old making a living playing in a bar band and Mm -hmm. so i uh you know we all kind of mutually agreed it was it was time to to call it a day and um so i started playing b but um <laughs> meanwhile um brian still brian barth that is had a studio business going and um started really getting that off the ground he said well hey let's let's reform the band but let's just focus on recording an album forget the live shows we'll we'll get a full album in the can we'll come back out maybe do some shows but really focus more on shopping the record and seeing you know essentially kind of giving it a last shot at a, a major label deal so mm-hmm. 
he and I, Brian Barth, the, that is the, the other guitarist yep. who I formed the original act with, he and I um, recruited a new rhythm section, um, Dean Viaseo on bass, and uh, Paul Peterson on, on drums, no um, connection with the Peterson family, and then we had a singer, Carl Young, and um, we put out a, you know, a strong record, but unfortunately, you know, really bad timing. 89 was... Yep. Just about, um, you know, the, the grunge era was just about to, you know, yep. flourish and, and um, you know, the 80s kind of hard rock um, metal scene um, was coming to a close. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a short-lived uh, version of the band. Uh, People traded their vet denim vests for flannel pretty quick, didn't they? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, they did. And I, you know, it was hard for us to relate because, and like I said before, I, I still firmly believe that, you know, if you're a musician, but if you're playing live, you're a performer. And I, I kind of scratched my head at some of the stuff I was hearing. Although yeah. I will say that some of those early bands um, to this day, you know, bands like. Um, Stone Temple Pilots mm -hmm. and Alice in Chains, you know, great bands. Um, but some of the other acts I didn't uh, care as much for. But I, I, I went to Plan B. I actually, um, I, I dropped out of high school after 10th grade to start playing full time. And I've, that was another thing, too. I always, you know, told myself, well, if I hadn't achieved, you know, worldwide fame and domination by 30, I was going to, you know, uh, develop some other kind of a career so I've, I went from a, a GED to a PhD in 12 years I, I wow. started off at a community college here in town then I transferred to the U of M um, ironically as a psychology undergrad and then hmm. uh, went right into grad school at the Ohio State University in 93 and went on to get a PhD in clinical psychology and 99 so wow. that's that's what i've been doing for the last 20 years as part of my my other life you are listening to blast beats and bicycles here at 91.7 fm wmcn McAllister college radio in st paul minnesota we've got an interview that we're playing today with john o'neill from dare force uh, dare force is playing tonight at the amsterdam great show uh 18 plus uh, so come on down to downtown St. Paul and check them out. We've got another song. Uh, John re referred briefly to their uh, third album called Firepower uh, that came out in 1989, and he told me that uh, this song uh, was inspired by his uh, second wife. You're going to hear uh, Second Chance from that record. So this is Dare Force with Second Chance. <laughs>
That was Dare Force with Second Chance off of their 1989 release, Firepower. You are listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. McAllister Geography is hosting their first ever Mac at Night event, Maps at Night, tonight. You can join them for an explosive and fun night of mapping for everyone where art and cartography meet, including gunpowder mapping workshop with the UW River Falls Matt Dooley, National Geographic Topo Map Earrings, Customizable Damaxian Globe Making, Watercolor Cartography, and more. Uh, this event is going to take place from 8 to 10.30 in the Janet Wallace Art Commons, and you can RSVP on their Facebook page for that. We're going to get back to our last installment of our interview with uh, John O'Neill from Dare Force, and don't forget to come out and see them tonight at the Amsterdam 6.30 are doors. It's an 18-plus show with Stormbreaker, Revenant Soul, and Abia. A couple years ago, uh, you got the bug to write some new more some more new music, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had actually um, done a bit of recording with um, the original lineup. Um, our original drummer, Mark Miller, um, passed away and. December of 2012 of, mm-hmm. of cancer mm-hmm. and that really you know hit hard of course and mm-hmm. um, there you know some other factors that just you know it, it just wasn't in the cards at that time so but I still um, I was at a point in my psychology career where I had a little more freedom to be able to get back into the music scene and so it was kind of um, looking around for um, some other players that might want to you know put something together and um Brian Barr was quite busy with the studio and really wasn't, um, you know, he was more focused on on the business aspect of things with sure. the studio and didn't really have the time to, you know, to work on getting another version of the band together. So mm. um, I hooked up with another guitarist that I'd known for years, Kelly Peterson, and um, he and I, and then uh, our original bass player Brian Lawrence, and um, we reformed the band we had a, another drummer for a short while and then we have the drum we currently have now lane allen um join us about three years ago and so we started writing new material for uh for the album that uh, we released in 2018 calling your name and that was kind of a a bit of a departure from the earlier stuff kelly is a fabulous guitarist and mm-hmm. you know one of the one of the challenges I had was to try and find another guitarist who I could even begin to replicate the kind of chemistry I had with with Brian Bart. And of sure. course, I mean, there's just no way that you can, you know, f- copy um, that kind of chemistry with someone that you've known since you were nine years old. Yeah. But, um, but Kelly and I did have um, a, a nice vibe uh, together, um, writing and playing and, and um, musically uh, and so forth so um we started writing material together and it was a little um oh i i don't know, i hesitate to say poppy but a, li- a little lighter um and it, it was a bit of a departure from the earlier stuff i think this you know i'm, I'm proud of their record I, I think there's some really strong material on it yeah um, absolutely but um i think you know we've that partnership um kelly had a a backlog of his own material and his tastes are quite 
wide-ranging as are mine but I, I think he was more focused on you know doing something um, a little less um, not quite as heavy and mm-hmm. and kind of um, well he likes the replacements for example <laughs> not not that I don't I right. mean, I, I, I've gone on to actually enjoy some of Paul Westerberg's material and so forth but um, he kind of wanted to go in a different direction and so we had an amicable parting of the ways um, about a year ago, and um, which led to another hunt for another guitarist. And so we've another name that uh, popped up, a, a fellow that we had known for years who played, I, I mentioned Hurricane Alice, mm-hmm. and the original guitar player uh, for Hurricane Alice was a guy by the name of Lenny DeMancari. And so, um, you know, gave him a call to see what he was up to. He's his day job is he's a, a, a booking agent of, and um, a talent agent, and so he's had a um, a tribute band, a hard tribute band that was coming to a close. And mm-hmm. he was actually going to go into retirement uh, from performing live when he got a call from us. Well, he um, kind of cut his teeth coming out to see us playing clubs. Um, it, before he was even of age to get into clubs. So when, <laughs> when we called him, um, he said, yeah, I think I'll come out of retirement. So um, we uh, we gelled, you know, right away um, and was more kind of back to the the good old days with, with a harder um, two-guitar uh, attack, if you will. And and um, so the, the new record that we're working on, um, Dare Force 5, is, is kind of a return to the earlier roots, um, it's definitely a heavier record, um, but that being said, I mean there's still um, another important element in writing uh, for me is is melody. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's it's great if you've got you know driving guitars and rhythm and so forth, but you've got to have hooks and you know good melody to, um, so that it, it sticks in people's brains. And um, so one thing that Lenny is he's a really talented guitarist but also a good songwriter and also happens to um to be doing a lot of the booking uh, for the band too these days so we not bad to have somebody who's got that uh that rolodex right yeah yeah so we've we've got uh, more shows coming up um one uh group in particular lenny manages the suite um you know the band that uh, yeah that hits with ballroom blitz and fox on the run yeah all those uh, tunes mm-hmm. and so we're going to do some shows with those guys they're on a um, the, the Fox on the Run tour this year um, we might be out in Idaho with them <laughs> um, at an amphitheater in June but we're definitely doing a, um, a gig with them September 4th at uh, the Fairmont Opera House in Fairmont Minnesota fun yeah so that's cool yeah we're looking forward to that and then we've got some other shows too in, um, in between of course so yeah um, so how close is the new record to seeing the light of day well we go into the studio we've got um the show at the amsterdam um bar and hall this uh this saturday yeah. uh tonight and um after that uh, next saturday we're going to be um, starting drum tracks at winterland studios and you know we've we've got we've been doing work um, workups of the tunes that rehearsed, so we've got some really rough tapes. Unfortunately, I I don't have anything I'd be willing to to air just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to be starting the drum tracking on uh, 
the 29th, and then um, we've got Brian Bard um, is kind of coming back full circle, but Brian's going to be um, engineering and producing the record, so we'll do the tracking at his studio, which is Logic Studio, mm-hmm. and the tracking for the guitars and, and vocals. So we're hoping for a late spring release. I, I would think... You know, probably uh, late May, early June, perhaps something like that. We'd like to, you know, certainly get it out. Um, you know, before the, the summer, the, the summer yeah. is in full swing. Yeah. Do you have uh, a vision for a CD release party sometime this summer? Yeah, we, you know, we don't have. It's dependent upon you know when when it's ready to roll, of course. But um, there's you know a couple of, of different venues. Um, the Amsterdam actually is an interesting place. We, this will be our first time playing there. Um, we uh, we did a show at um, First Ave a couple years ago, and that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, but there's a club, too, called Route 47, mm-hmm. um, which will we actually be playing there um, April 18th. Okay. And so that's um, another possibility. That's for, a good rock and roll room up there. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun, and it's a nice stage, and um, management is nice, which is always enjoyable when you have that. So, yeah, yeah. So we've got um, we've got the Amsterdam with uh, four or three other uh, up and coming uh, upstarts, shall I say? Uh-huh. Um, excellent groups. We're really excited about it. But um, after that, we. Um, We'll be at Route 47 on April 18th, um, St. Croix Casino in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. That's May 23rd. And then um, we're doing the Moondance Jam. This will be the third year that we've played up there. That'll be Saturdays, um, July 18th. And we're hoping, I can't, I'm not at liberty to announce who, Lenny actually is a part of the um, the booking team for that festival. For Moondance? for moon dance and there's an act that they're about 90 percent uh committed and we're hoping to get a uh, a slot on the main stage on that date with with this act fun we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be playing the the show that day but yeah. uh, hopefully it'll be on the main stage and then we've got the the gig with the suite in yeah september and there'll be other dates that'll you know get filled in too as the year progresses so that's that's great so does it feel like you're back to your old uh, sort of ways of getting on stage this frequently? Well, I, um, it's it's interesting at, at this stage of the game. Um, I, I, if anyone would have told me decades ago that I'd be writing and recording and uh, doing shows with the Air Force, I would have thought that perhaps they were off their meds or something. Yeah, they but, might need um, to be a client of yours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really been a, a treat. And, um, you know, the show this weekend, we've got, you know, three other groups, Stormbreaker, Revenant Soul, and uh, Abia um, playing with us. And these young young guys that are carrying the torch, um you know that that are coming back to a, a hard rock guitar mm-hmm. sound. So you know, as as sort of elder statesman on a on a bill like that, what what are some of the things that you try to 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 show or do or say to those those up and coming bands? You know, to sort of motivate and encourage them. Well, I think um, 
number one, I mean, we certainly um, want to encourage them. And, you know, I've, I've already told Chris, I, you know, I've heard some of their material on Spotify and, mm-hmm. you know, a couple, um, a couple of the tracks that you aired and, and just, um, you know, really uh, told them I was impressed with their writing and production and, mm-hmm. and um you know, back in the in the days when we started off, there was, you know, at least in the the regional scene here, you'd you'd have egos and you know bands <laughs> kind of trying to compete with each other. And but these days, there's much more of a, a community, if you will, or a camaraderie mm-hmm. where it's you know supporting each other and really encouraging each other's efforts, and especially to see young guys. Um, you know, for a long time, people were saying, well, yeah, the hard rock guitar thing is kind of dying. And, you know, just people, especially younger people, aren't as interested anymore. And to see that, you know, you've got three groups um, that are drawing some good crowds and getting attention, playing that um, style of music. Mm-hmm. We certainly want to encourage that. And we applaud that they're uh, they're carrying the, the torch, so to speak. And um, also, I, you know, just... Um, the same things that I talked about earlier. Of, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk with them after the show, and you know, stage presence and song writing. I mean, it's it's all about learning a craft. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you know those guys, even at at their age, and and they're it's it's funny because when I heard your interview with them, I brought back so many memories of what it was like for us when we were first starting out and. And they, um, they've got the same attitude that we uh, did and still have. It's, you know, it's about learning your craft and really trying to, um, to put out something that's special and unique that's going to capture an audience, uh, their interest, um, but that people can relate to and, and really, um, uh, you know, the, the music that you create becomes part of their lives and their mm-hmm. memories, too. It's... It's really amazing. I guess one thing that's been so special for us is to just have people come up to us at shows and say, I can't believe you guys are back out. I remember seeing you years ago, and um, it's it's so great to have, have so many memories that yeah. you've brought back, and, mm-hmm. and um, here you are again, and, and um, you know, you influenced me to start playing and, you know, this kind of thing. So it's really been touching in a lot of ways to, to really, you don't, you don't, really fully appreciate sometimes the impact that um that you've had on on people's lives until you know you hear some of these people sharing their stories with you and it's really it's really pretty touching so yeah it's it's humbling and we're 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 just so um thrilled and you know we're still able to get up there and you know i figure what the hell if if you know Mick Jagger at 76 can get up, can get up there and strut a stuff for two and a half hours. I can get my butt up there, and, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah. I, I mean, it's it's in our blood. I mean, once once you're infected, um, it, 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 it's it's for life. And I, I just I can't um, envision not playing. Um, it, it's 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 my therapy, and it's something that I I'll do as long as I'm physically able. So. Well, I can tell you that, you know, I, I came out and saw a couple of the, the later shows that you guys played here in town. And, you know, I was out regularly at places like Ryan's and the Mirage, you know, in that era when I was here at McAllister. And uh, it's really been fun for me 
to have all the bands that I enjoyed back in the day coming back around and playing again and getting a chance to see a bunch of these new bands that you've inspired uh, coming up and, and creating new music is really a fun time in the music scene here. Absolutely. Yep. We're hoping for a, a resurgence here. And I think it's, you know, it, um, there is some elements at play that are leading to that. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're really pumped about uh, the show tonight and really looking forward to, to having a, a great time with those guys. And, and we're going to play probably, oh, maybe three or four tunes off the new record. Um, and then, of course, we'll throw in, you know, stuff from the previous releases, too. So, you know, we've got a bit of a back catalog to draw from. And, yeah. But uh, we're really stoked about the new record, too. So. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it when it comes out. And uh, we'll definitely put that on uh, on rotation here. I'm really excited for the show tonight, too. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on stage again. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask before I let you go, though, is is where should we send people to find out more about you? Well, um, we're on Facebook, of course. Um, we also have a web page, dareforce.rocks. That's just dareforce, one word, dot rocks, R-O-C-K-S. And we're on Instagram, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and is, is the new uh, the new album going to be released on all of the streaming services and iTunes and so on? Yeah, we're definitely going to get on Spotify in particular, but we are going to be you know pressing CDs as well. Well, John, this has been a really fun conversation. I really am grateful you're willing to take the time uh, in front of your show here tonight at the Amsterdam, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you up on stage. Well, Jason, it's been my pleasure, and, and thank you so much. And I also want to say thank you so much for your support of not only our band but you know the local music scene in general um it's it, we've depend on people like you so much to uh to get our uh product or our music our, our name out there and so it really means a lot um, to be on the show thank you for inviting me it was a pleasure all right well we'll see you at the amsterdam in just a few hours sounds good all right take care my brother thanks john Thanks again to John O'Neill from Dare Force for sitting down for that interview. Uh, they've got a great show coming up, as you heard tonight at the Amsterdam. It's an 18-plus show, downtown St. Paul. Uh, I believe doors are at 6.30, so nice and easy. You can even get to bed a little bit early. We're going to hear one of their most recent tracks. This is the title track from their 2018 record, Callin' Your Name. 